Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're going to conclude this amazing series that we have started. It's been seven weeks on the subject of growth. How many of you want to grow? Let me see your hands. You don't want to stay the same. You know, I actually believe you do because you're here this morning. I want to thank you for being in God's house today. I believe something special happens when we come together in God's house. I want you to turn to James chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 in just a couple of moments. I've entitled today, Overcoming the Growth Barrier. How many of you know that when you set out to grow, there can be different barriers that we have? And maybe the barrier that I might have may be different than the barriers that may be imposing themselves on you. But today, I think there's one barrier that we could sum it all up (laughs) to say that's really holding a lot of us back. But yet, there are some ingredients that God has given us to break barriers. How many of you believe that as the people of God, you and I should be barrier breakers? Come on, how many of you believe that, that you and I should be barrier breakers? Now, we have talked about how it is God's will that you should be growing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 has been our theme scripture. It says, speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up. Turn to your neighbor, say, it's time to grow up in all things into him who is the head. John 15, 8, which has really been a great, inspiring scripture for me for 2023. It says that it is... God is glorified when you and I bear much fruit. When there is much growth in our life, God gets the glory. And then he says, so you will be my disciples. You know what I love about God and what you're going to see in today's message? Why is it so important that we break barriers? Because God wants you and I to enjoy the fruit of growth. God wants you and I to experience rewards. You know, the Bible says that he is a rewarder. Everybody say that with me. Say rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so I want to ask you this question. Do you see growth as a possibility in your life? Do you see growth as a possibility growing as a father? Growing, maybe it's a grandfather. Growing in where you have been strategically placed in your job. Do you see growth as a possibility? Now, here's what happens. If you don't grow, then you will stagnate. We have to have an intention to grow. We have to make a decision because it's not just intention. We have to have action. But you know what? Growth isn't automatic. Can I hear a good amen today? It, It doesn't happen by osmosis. And if what happens if when we don't grow is we start to stagnate. You know, I looked up that word stagnate, and it's an interesting word because it means to cease, to flow, to stop. Listen to this to stop developing, advancing, or being usefully active. Listen to that. The key is usefully active. Do you know that there's a lot of people that they are active, but they're not useful? Do you know there's a lot of people who are moving around, but yet they're still stagnant and there's still no growth? They're exhausted because they're working very hard and they're busy, but yet there's still no productivity. How many of you know you can be busy and still not be effective? And that's not what I want to be. I want to live on purpose and for a purpose. And when you decide to do that, you know what begins to happen is you don't just begin to do things and waste your time. You actually invest your time. Right. And so there's a lot of people and I think they're exhausted today because there's a lot of activity, but they're not being useful. Can I hear a good amen today? Because I want to help you to be usefully active, not just active. And I believe that God has some specific ingredients for you and I that we can actually break these barriers, these growth barriers. And I think for many of us, we all know where we're at. We know what we're trying to overcome. But I believe that today you are going to overcome. You are going to break the barriers that you haven't been able to break on your own. How many of you believe that today? All right, like four of you, that, that's good, that's good. You're probably a lot of Charger fans here today. You haven't won a game yet, so I, I get it, I, I, I get it. So let me, let me try that again. Today is the day where we're going to break barriers, come on, and we're going to grow because we're going to invest God's word in your heart. So growing has a flow to it. There's a flow to grow. Would you say that with me? Say there's a flow to grow. 
When you realize these ingredients, and they work all the time if you work them, and God has given us these ingredients, right? It's, it's kind of like a recipe. There's a recipe for growth that when you use these ingredients, growth becomes a lifestyle. I'm always a little concerned because when we were in this or in a, any series here at Passion Life, when we're talking about names of God, I hope that people don't check out after we finish the series and go, okay, names of God was good, but I'm going to move on to this and then forget that the names of God should be used in everyday life. When we get out of the grow series, I'm concerned that people are like, okay, we're out of the grow series. No, this should be a lifestyle for you and I. And I believe that if, as you apply these ingredients, what happens is you begin to grow, then your life begins to experience the rewards of growth. And then what happens is you continue to stay in the flow by applying these ingredients. And guess what happens? When that begins to ignite in your life, you start going from victory to victory, from strength to strength. And so today, I'm going to start off right right off the bat by telling you the last point first. I'm going to, instead of most of the time I build up to the last point, there's a crescendo. But today what I wanted to do is I wanted to begin with the end in mind. Let me say it this way. I want to give you what God is trying or where he's trying to get you to, which is the result of growth. And here's, here's the thing. We're going to read a little bit more. I have you in James chapter 4, verse 10. And, uh, but we are going to, to read a little bit more into James. But let me just tell you this. Right? When you are at the store and you are walking and you are walking the aisle and all of a sudden you see a picture of a piece of cake, maybe something, right? And can I just encourage you, never go to the grocery store hungry. Just don't do that. Just don't do that. But have you ever been not really planning, you know, to eat something sweet and all of a sudden as you're walking down the aisle, you see the picture of this beautiful cake? I don't know how many of you like chocolate cake. There's something about chocolate cake, right? And you see that picture, and that picture inspires you. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you the result. I'm going to give you the picture of growth, right? And then what, what do you do with that picture? You actually put it in your hand, and you debate about it. You knew you shouldn't have been looking at it, but now you have it in your hand. Come on, somebody. You knew you shouldn't have it in hand. Next thing you know, you're paying for it. Come on, <laughs> right? You're paying for it. But you look at it, and then you turn around. You're, I, I like this. I'm going to have some chocolate cake. And then you look at what the ingredients, and you got to make sure that you have the ingredients to have that beautiful chocolate cake. If you can get the ingredients and apply them together, you can actually have a beautiful, delicious reality of chocolate cake in your mouth in like an hour. Can I hear a good amen today? And I know some of you are going, Pastor Phil, it's got to be gluten-free chocolate cake. Listen, whatever the vision you need to see, then you see that, all right? But what I want to do is I want to give you the picture of God's desired growth before I give you the ingredients. James chapter 1 verse 4, uh, uh, James chapter 4 verse 10 says this, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and watch, he will lift you up. So here's number one. Here's, here's, the, here's the picture on the box. God lifting you up. How many of you will allow God to lift you up today? No matter what you're facing, no matter what circumstance, you will allow God to lift you up. That word in the Greek, because the New Testament is translated from Greek to English, it means this, to elevate your life. How many of you know that's growth? To elevate your life, right? It actually means this, the word, the root word is on behalf of or for the sake of. In other words, why does God want to lift you up? Because it's a reflection on him. He wants him to be glorified. How many of you want God to be glorified in your life? He says when there's much growth, when you bear fruit, it glorifies your Father in heaven. But there's another root word for this lift up. It actually means beyond. I love this because this word means God's desire is to take you beyond where you can take yourself. 
because you can only take yourself so far. How many of you have actually experienced that today? How many of you experienced that you are sitting in a room or at a job and you know that with your own education, you know with your own background, with your own personality, you shouldn't be in that job, but God lifted you up. Come on, how many of you know that? Let me see your hand. God has already done that for you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put another picture on the box that to me makes this so appealing. When God elevates you, nobody can stop you. When God lifts you up, people can try to tear you down, but they can't when God lifts you up. So I would rather God lift me up than me try to lift myself up. But his desire is to take you beyond where you can take yourself. Now, here's the challenge. We try to exalt ourselves. And you know what I've learned about self? Self can be sabotaging. We can sabotage ourselves with bad attitudes. We can you know, sabotage ourselves by saying the wrong thing, right? Now listen, I'm not saying today that you shouldn't have a vision. I'm not saying today that you shouldn't have a dream, that you shouldn't have goals. But here's what I am saying. It's very easy in today's world to try to, I got to make the connections, right? And I got to brown nose this person. I got to network this way. Networking is great, but there can be a place and a time in your life where you start going overboard and you think you have to do it. If it's going to be, it's got to be me. So we should have goals. We should want to bear much fruit. But can I tell you, God is saying he wants to be the one to lift us up. He wants to be the one that makes your business succeed. Why? Because it's a testimony when you talk to people and they say, how did this happen? They said, you say, only but the Lord. Only but the Lord. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching whether you feel like shouting. So here it comes. Because God needs to lift some of you up this morning. And you need to allow him to lift you up. You need to allow him to do that. So you can stop saying, well, I got all the credit. No, he gets all the credit. But he's got to lift us up today. Why? Because when he lifts us up, the emphasis is him, not me. But when it's all about me, guess who the emphasis is? It's me. Now, why is that? I'm going to tell you something. Because in self, that is where pride loves to dwell. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the, the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift you up. Now, let's talk about this ingredients for the cake of growth, for this delicious life, this delicious reality of growing and having fruit in our life, because James is going to tell us. How many of you interested? James chapter 4, let's go back, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Everybody say grace. He says more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So here's the ingredients, right? And this is the key ingredient. Here's number two. God has given you the gift of grace. Whether you know it, whether you didn't know it, whether God, listen, this is so cool because God didn't wait for you to understand grace to give it to you. He gave it to you. He gave grace to the worst sinners. They may not know it, but that didn't stop God from giving the grace. And so today there's a key ingredient that's already provided for you to succeed because God knows that we can't do it on our own. So what does he do? He gives us the grace. And verse 6 says, he gives more grace. How much grace does he need? Give. He gives as much as you need. And more. Everybody say more grace. So you are being set up to succeed by God. This is why the great apostle Paul, when you read two-thirds of the New Testament who wrote this, he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. I want to be able to say that. And I think I am in certain circles, right? We talked about 
you know, I've been able to now write two books. Here I am. I laugh sometimes because God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I was a foolish person. In seventh grade, I was so foolish, I didn't even pass the second grade. I barely got and barely passed uh, high school. I didn't do too well. Hated school. They went to Bible college. And now how funny is God that he's using me not only to write books, but now to teach people, people who are educated, people who have their master's degree. And here I am, little old me. Can I tell you, I am who I am today by the grace of God. And I'm not all that. He's all that. But here's the thing. We got to let him be all that in our lives. Can I hear a good amen today? And so grace is the foundation of it all. Now, what is grace? You need to understand. And this is why I love looking in the original language because it's so expansive. You know, the number one thing that the Greek language says about grace is that it's a benefit. It's amazing to me that people who are living in sin, who maybe don't even believe in God, here God gives every single person, humanity, a benefit of his grace. He gives it. And grace is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in our lives because you can't earn grace. You can't pay for it. You can't buy it. You just have to receive it. And it's a, a total gift from God. And so now this is, this is the key. This is so important because the proper response to grace, are you ready? Is that you admit you need it. That you admit you need God's grace. So here's the other ingredient. Number three, number three is we have to choose humility. Humility. Humility says, I need God's grace. Humility says, I need God's strength. Humility says, I need him. You know, humility means this. It's a life lived in devout reverence, respect, and belief in God. It is an acceptance of God's influence and wisdom on our life. You say, Pastor Phil, this, is, this sounds really simple, just receiving God's grace. It is for some of us who really acknowledge that we need God's grace. But I will tell you, and there's a lot of areas in people's lives, they don't want God's influence and they don't want his wisdom. They won't say this to you, but what they will tell you is that their wisdom is greater than God's wisdom. That the influence that they want to have on their own life is greater than what they will receive from the Lord. So there is a challenge there because that's where pride sets in. And the Bible talks about being humble enough to receive God's grace. This word humble means to be brought low. Come on, how low can you go? But in the kingdom of God, the lower you go, the more you get exalted. Well, I need scripture for that, Pastor Phil. I'm actually not going to give you the word. I'm going to give you the word because Jesus is our hero of humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and it says about Jesus, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How many of you can say that's pretty low, being on a cross, naked, beaten by humanity that you came to save? And then verse 9, but wherefore Jesus went low, but God hath what? highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. My church family, you can't get any higher than name above every name. But Jesus went low and God exalted him. Jesus was the epitome of humility to be able to come and clothe himself with flesh, wash his disciples' feet, touch lepers that were unclean, allow people who were unclean to touch him. What? That was the epitome of humility. And yet he laid down his life. Nobody took his life. He laid down his life and he gave it for a humanity who some will reject him, some will walk away from him, but yet he still gave his life. Life, but guess what? God will exalt him and gave him the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. So the way to go high in the kingdom is the way to go low. We have to go low. I don't know if you know this about the kingdom of God, but it is a backwards kingdom. The Bible says you have to give 
to receive. The Bible says you have to die to live. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives through me. And so, in other words, for Christ to live through us, Phil had to die. And Phil died. I died when I was 19 years old. I died at my aunt's house in my cousin's room. I got down on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus. And guess what? Phil no longer lives. Guess who lives through Phil now? Jesus lives through me. But you know what? When Phil was alive, he did a lot of damage. He had a lot of problems. But I thank God that I was able to crucify my flesh and crucify myself and say, God, I die tonight. Live in me. That doesn't mean that that old self doesn't try to come up every once in a while and say, hey. But I have to put on the new man because, but in order to have his life flow through me, there had to be a death because we live in a backwards kingdom. In order for Jesus to raise himself, for God to raise Jesus from the dead, he had to die. And when there is a crucifixion, there can't be a resurrection unless there's a crucifixion. And some of us want to resurrect something that is still alive. No, first it has to die, and then God will resurrect it. Can I hear a good amen today? And that's why I love dreams. I love visions. But guess what happened? Phil Valdez's dreams had to die. So the dream that God had for Phil Valdez, guess what, could live. And I want to tell you something. The dream that God has for my life is way better than the dream that I had for my life. You know what? I couldn't even fathom or imagine what God has been doing in my life. It was not even in my mindset. But how many of you know he can do much more and greater above all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is working in you? Are you still there or did you fall asleep? But we have to choose humility. Everybody say humility. God's not going to humble you. You have to humble you. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself? Now, there are people, unfortunately, that circumstances will humble them. Life will humble them. But I'll tell you what, you have to make a decision to humble yourself. Now, humility is the total opposite of pride. And I think that we don't understand this a lot, and it's probably going to allude into the next series that we do because as we talk about having authority as a believer, it can seem prideful. Actually, it's, it's not. It's being who God says that we are. And just because you are confident in who God says that you are doesn't mean you're prideful. See, when God put his life in me, I am confident in who he made me. I'm confident in the fact that I could not be what he wanted me to be without him and without his grace. And so I'm confident today that I am more than a conqueror through Christ, not through Phil, not though I've been working out. Come on, somebody. Can you see any of the muscles? Come on. It's been a while. Come on, say growth is a process. Mine's going to be probably a 10-year process, but it's going to be a process. (laughs) But you know what? I can work out every day and look like Marco, but you know what? I still need Jesus. I still need his grace. Right, Marco, you up here. I need God's grace in my life. But humility is the opposite of pride. And a humble person says, I need grace. Right? And my church family, I'm telling you, grace has been given to you. But a proud person will resist grace. Why? Because you hear this a lot. Well, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. You didn't drop out of heaven. I know you may think you're God's gift to humanity. But you didn't, you're not a self-made man. As a matter of fact, your birth had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with two people coming together, your parents. You, how did you, you didn't, you didn't birth yourself. Think about that for a minute. It was so beyond you. All you did was swim. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, say you're a winner. You got to the egg. Come on. Do you remember that? No. You know why you're here? You know how you came to be? Because God wanted you here. And he and you were in his thought process even before you were born. And you are strategically placed here by God. 
And here we are going, I'm a self-made person. Oh, please. It's by the grace of God that we are alive today and that our very lives that we got up this morning, that it, we are a miracle because of what God has done in our lives. Come on, say, I'm a miracle. But the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I want to bring some revelation to this because God resists the proud. You know, this literally means that God stands against. So here's the reality. Has grace been given to all of humanity? Absolutely. But let me read this scripture this way. Proud people resist God. Because grace has been given out. But you resist grace because you don't think you need it. This was the challenge that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Because they were sad, you see. What was the challenge that Jesus had with the religious people? They didn't need him because their rules were enough for them. And it ended up that those people put Jesus on the cross. But who got everything they needed from Jesus? The sinners. That's why he hung out with them, because they would draw from him. They would draw. They needed him. They acknowledged that they needed him. And when they did, oh, did they get blessed. The woman at the well, do you remember? She had five husbands. The one that she was with, it was sixth. And then she met Jesus, who was the seventh man in her life. He says, if you just take one drink from the well that I have, and what she was talking of himself, you will never be thirsty anymore. She took a drink, and she turned a whole city upside down. Grace has been given, but proud people say, I resist God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You may not see yourself as a prideful person, but can I tell you, there are areas of my life that I have totally received God's grace. But guess what? There are other areas that I still have pride. Let me define pride for you. Pride is where I don't listen to what God says, where I'm not obedient to what he asks me to do. That's pride. Now, I'm going to tell you, pride is the area and the arena that the enemy loves to work in. I always ask myself, how did the devil become the devil? I mean, there wasn't like a little devil and a big devil, and he was in heaven worshiping, right, leading the worship, and then there was another little devil going, you're going to be the big devil. The Bible says that he said within himself, I will rise above God. So pride comes from an inner mentality that I will do, I I, I, that's why I is the middle level, middle, middle letter of sin. That's why I is the middle letter of pride. It's I, 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 I. So there can be areas of my life where I'm like, no, I'm just going to do it. And now I've just done so many things my own way that I have learned. I don't want to do it that way anymore because there is many consequences that come with not obeying God's word. Let me just tell you this. You are not responsible for outcomes in your life. You are responsible for obedience. You can't control outcomes, so stop trying to control outcomes, but you can control your own obedience. You cannot control response. You can't control results and how results happen in your life, but what you can control is your response to God's word. So let's do what we can control and stop trying to control what we cannot control. Pride means, being proud means arrogant, a know-it-all, often associated with the rejection of God, right? So pride is a huge growth barrier. It's a huge growth barrier. That's why I was reading, when I was reading this, John 15, 8, it says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Watch, so you will be my disciples. What The very nature of a disciple is a learner, somebody who's constantly learning. The disciples were following Jesus, taking notes and learning. And so as long as we have a position of humility that says, I need to learn, we will grow. But pride would be a huge barrier, right? Pride will stop your growth. But here's the truth. Actually, you don't know what you don't know. Oh, I know. There's a lot of things you don't know about. So if I don't know what I don't know, and that's going to keep me from growing, then here's what I need to do. I need to learn, right? And here's, here's the tragedy. I'm going to tell you, it breaks my heart. This is one of the things about being a pastor that just breaks my heart. Some people live with so much pride they have to hit rock bottom 
till they come to understand that Jesus is the rock at the bottom. Because they try everything and they do everything that everybody told them and still, right, they're stagnant. There's no growth. That's where I came to. And I thank God that I came to it at 19 and not 55. Right? But today is the day of salvation. And so what can happen is, right, some people, because they're so stubborn in their head, I've always done it this way. My parents have done it this way. It's my tradition. It's our culture. Whatever the thing may be, to be honest, they have to hit rock bottom until they realize, man, I need grace. I need God. And you know how hard it is to watch people hit rock bottom, especially when you pray for them, you love them. It's tough because a lot of times I want to intervene. There's been times where I have intervened in people's life and I'm encouraging them, but guess what? They won't listen because they don't have humility. And it's tough for that. How many of you know that's not what God wants you to be? That's not where he wants you to be. So that's why the Bible says we need the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a want of wisdom. Proverbs 4.7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom needs to be our choice. But you got to choose humility. You got to choose it. And I'm going to talk about this in a minute because I think that sometimes when we think we go low, that we've got to be people's welcome mat for them to step all over us. Or when we go low, that we have no strength. Actually, no, when you go low, you have a fruit of the spirit called meekness that is a, control, a controlled strength in your life. That you're not just going crazy and out of control. You actually have the fruit of the spirit that is self-control that allows you to use strength under control as needed if you go low. So there's some ingredients. Humility always wins. Grace always wins. Grace and humility always go together. Why? Humility always acknowledges, I need grace. Faith is important because faith actually receives the grace. That's how we're saved, right? We are saved by grace through what? Faith. Notice it wasn't your faith first. It was grace first. And the natural and the default response to grace is always faith. That's why some of the, big, the, the, the most incredible miracles, Jesus said, I saw great faith. There were two people who he saw great faith in their life. And both of those people were not Jewish people. They were actually heathen. They were Roman. Or the other one, I think, was a Canaanite woman, right? And Jesus said they, she saw he hadn't seen great faith even under his own people. And you know why? Because when they looked at Jesus, they didn't see the law. They looked at Jesus because they didn't know the law because they were heathens. But when they looked at Jesus in his grace, faith arose. And that's what I'm hoping today and believing that today as we talk about grace, faith will arise in your heart. That faith, what? To receive the grace. Because the grace is going to get you to where you couldn't get to yourself. But here's what we have to do. We have to receive God's grace. Key ingredient. Humility, a key ingredient. But then number four, we have to position ourselves to encounter his presence. How many of you love God's presence? I, I love God's presence. I, I love his presence. I love being in these corporate worship. Our worship team does such a phenomenal job. Can you give them a great round of applause? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is, is power. You were made for his presence. That's why verse 8, right? In James it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The truth is he's done everything already that he can to draw nigh to you. So he's waiting on you. You are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to draw nigh to him. Today you are as close to God as you want to be. As a pastor, people are like, man, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I just feel so far away from God. And my question is, who moved? Who moved? You moved. Because the Bible says that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. So who moved? Actually, you moved. You're not drawing near. And how can we grow if Jesus is on the sidelines of our lives? You know, it's so easy to go days, weeks, months without praying, worshiping, reading the Bible, coming to church. I talk to people. I'm like, hey, man, we haven't seen you in church. They're like, well, I was there 
six weeks ago. And then they kind of look at me like, yeah, it has been six weeks. You know why? Because time is going by just like this. And it's so easy to draw nigh to other things and not draw nigh to him. But how are we going to get into, or let me say, encounter his presence and receive his grace, right? If he's on the sidelines of our life. My church family, God is not forcing himself on anybody today. He wants you to choose to choose him. He wants you to want to want him. He wants that for our lives. That's what he wants. You know, I want to be the person who I want to seek his face, not just his hand. I want to seek who he is. Oh, I love his promises. I want to remember his promises. But you know what? I want to know the person behind the promises. I want to know the person who's giving me these promises. I want to know the person who is faithful to his promise. I want to know the person who says... My word doesn't return void. I want to know him. You know, the Bible says that Moses knew God's ways, but the children of Israel knew his deeds. Some people, you just, you know, you come to God and you get your prayer request and then you just leave. The tragedy is, is that you don't even know the gift giver. You just fall in love with the gifts. I love God's gifts. But you know what? I love God more than just his gifts. Because I want to seek his face, not just his hand. Can I hear a good amen today? I want to know the presence behind the promises because, listen, your greatest need in life is God's presence. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Your greatest need in life is not winning the lottery. It's his presence in your life. Your greatest need is not, oh, God, I need another job. No, it's his presence in your life. Because when he goes before you, nobody can be against you. When he goes before you, he opens doors that no man can shut. I want his presence. That's why verse 7, James says, submit yourself to God. I said it. I said the S word in church. Submit. Thank you. Out of the mouth of babes, the Bible says. In our culture today, submit is like a dirty word. I don't want anybody to. I ain't going to let anybody tell me what to do. I know that's why you haven't grown in 10 years. Nobody's ever talked to me like that. I know because nobody, people have tried. That's why I'm telling you in love, you need to grow. But we've got to position ourselves into his presence. How do you come to his presence? By submitting yourself to God. You know, submitting comes from humility. Submitting means this. To put in the proper order. So, is it you first, then God? Or is it God first, then you? When it's God first, then you, you are submitted. You know, the word submit means to yield. To yield to a greater power. To yield. Just like when you're in a roundabout. I hate those things. You ever been in a roundabout? They have them over here at Target. Everybody's going roundabout, and you have to stop. And what do you have to do? Yield. I got a big old truck. Here comes this hybrid little thing. Electric. I'm yielding. Okay, five minutes later. Okay, here we go. But submitting is simply yielding to God, yielding to him. This is why the Bible says so many people aren't winning against the enemy. The enemy is already a defeated foe. But the Bible doesn't say you just go at the enemy in your own strength. The Bible says this, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So in other words, the power to resist the devil comes from submitting to God. Because you can either say, Phil said, or you can use the name above every name and say Jesus' name. Because he's not going to respond to Phil said. He is going to respond to Jesus, who is the name above every name. But I need to be submitted to that name. 
And so I want to ask you very kindly and humbly, if the enemy is constantly beating you up, are you submitted to God? Because I want to tell you this, sin and pride is like blood in the water for the enemy. It's an open door. So you can't submit, you can't resist somebody who you're playing with every week. You can't submit to somebody who you're constantly talking with and giving into every week. But if you will submit to God, guess what? You can resist the devil and he will flee. The devil cannot stop you from, the devil cannot stop God from exalting you when you're submitted. I want to say that again. The devil cannot stop God from exalting you when you're submitted. Now, he's going to try. But you know what? He was, he can be, you can submit to the Lord. You can submit to the Lord. I want to tell you something. Oftentimes in life, things happen to us. I was thinking about this so many times, how in the Old Testament, Joseph had so many things happen to his life. His brothers tried to kill him. They sold into slavery. He got into Potter's house as a slave, the Bible says. But, you know, because he was submitted to God, God always exalted him no matter where he was. He was at Potiphar's house, and the Bible says God blessed the house of Potiphar, who was not, not one of God's people. God blessed the house of Potiphar for Joseph's sake. Do you know that Joseph was submitted to God even as a slave when he didn't understand the circumstances of what was happening around him? Do you know that when you get sold as a slave, which he was when his brothers uh, sold him into slavery, when Potiphar found him in Egypt, when you were sold as a slave, you're sold naked. So they put you, right, up against all these people, and there's no clothes on all there because they're evaluating you. They want to know, is this going to be a good slave? Is this going to be a good slave? And the Bible says in that moment that the Lord was with him, and Joseph was a prosperous man. Didn't have anything. But you know what he did have? He did have the Lord. And so he went into Potiphar's house, and the Bible says that Potiphar didn't even concern himself with anything because of Joseph, because God began to exalt Joseph. But you know what? Joseph was a handsome man. So the, come on, <laughs> come on somebody, right? The, his, his wife started to see, Potiphar's wife started to see Joseph and notice the anointing and the glow that was on his life. So she's like, man, I, I got to get me some of that. And the Bible says every single day. It's all in the Bible. Come on, you need to read this and stop watching what you're watching because there's some better stuff in the Bible. Every day she pursued him, took off his robe, the real housewives of Egypt. It's all in there. That's where they get these ideas. I should have wrote that. I would make a million dollars. The real housewives. I'm going to tell you something. Potiphar's wife wasn't ugly. At that time, Egypt was a master power in the earth. They say Egyptian women from history were the most beautiful in the world. And you know what Joseph said? He said, how could I sin against God? You know why? Because he was submitted to the Lord. With all the temptation around him, he was submitted to, to God, so the enemy didn't have any entrance in his life. See, oftentimes we just think about the physical, but when you're submitted to God, you're God conscious in every area of your life, and you don't want to do things because you don't want it to displease him and break his heart because you're submitted to him. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are just like, well, yeah, but Pastor Phil, there's grace and there's forgiveness. Yeah, but I don't want to break his heart. I want to live a life that's worthy of his death. Is this too much for a Sunday morning? And Joseph got thrown into prison, and he was a man that did nothing wrong. But even in the prison, he began to serve people. You know, in being right, you can become wrong because of your pride. You can become defensive. You can become, you can say the wrong things even though you did nothing wrong. Joseph did nothing wrong. But you know what the Bible says? Even in prison, he, God began to exalt him. That he began to run the prison. Come on, somebody. 
He began, to, why? Because God began to exalt him. And then God would exalt him into the palace where his dream would come true. I just want to tell you this. I was talking with somebody this week, and I appreciate when people talk to me. You know, I don't have all the wisdom, but I do believe that I'm, you know, led by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there's, there's wisdom. So somebody talked to me this week, said, hey, I'm having problems with my, with my boss. And, uh, and this person, actually, when I was talking to him, they said, you know, I love when you preach and you use real, you know, just real stories. And they told me, they said, you can use the story. And, and, and I said, it, it actually applies to what we're talking about. They said, I'm having a, a lot of problems with my, with my boss, and, and, and it just doesn't seem like he sees what I do. And all of these things, there's friction. And so we talked, and, you know, they do a great job at work. How many of you know the fruit never lies, Right? We will be known by our fruit. So when you have, now, if you're lazy, then that's a whole nother issue, right? Because you can't be lazy and say, favor of the Lord. No, you just lazy. Come on, give me a good amen. But this person put in the work. They have the numbers, and it turns out that maybe their boss was a little bit jealous. And so they were asking me about this meeting and to pray. And I said, listen, go in with humility. You don't have to defend yourself when God is on your side. You step into the flow of favor and watch what God will do. Because although everything you're telling me is right, you can become wrong in this meeting by, the Bible doesn't say that Joseph cussed out Potiphar and said, oh God, man, you better watch your back, boy. Right? In the prison of his life, he was actually looking at the other prisoners saying, why are you so down? Right? He didn't say Potiphar. And what's crazy is that he became Potiphar's boss. He could have lost it all because of the way that people treated him. But see, when you're submitted to God, you understand there's a higher authority God will cause you to grow to the point where even the person that's giving you problems, you may become their boss. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? So I said, go in this meeting with humility. Go in this meeting with meekness. Allow God to use you. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe there's something wrong. You have God on your side. And you know what? Came back to me and said, the meeting went great. Everything worked out. That's right. Because when you step into the flow of favor, God can even make your enemies turn around. Can I hear a good amen today? And that's not something that you can do by yourself. Now, here, here's where we close. James is going to point out some of the, the areas that we have to overcome for stagnation because sin will cause you to stagnate. Sin can be the, huge, the biggest barrier that we all face. And so here's what he says in James chapter 4, verse 8. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. In other words, be free from the pollution of sin. Make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to have sin in my life. Listen, I'm going to tell you this because I love you. Sin will not only stagnate you. The goal of sin is to destroy your life. It's to destroy your life. Phil, Pastor Phil, you don't understand. There's so much temptation out there. Have you seen the California girls? David Lee Roth wrote a song about it. I wish they all could be California. Have you seen the temptation? There's so much sin in the world. I want to give you an opportunity to shout. Are you ready? Yes, there's a lot of sin, but here's what God promises. God promises us that no matter how much sin is in the world, on the world, he promises more grace than sin in the world. Romans chapter 6, 5 verse 20 says, when sin abounded, their grace abounded much more. Watch this. The Amplified Classic says this, when sin increased and abounded, what? Grace, God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased increased it, the more, what, grace superabounded. So there's always more grace than sin, but which one are you going to choose? Right? Now, let me just tell you, grace is not a license to sin. How many of you know people don't need a license to sin? They're doing it all by themselves. Grace is actually an empowerment against sin. Paul wrote to Titus, he said, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, he says, for the grace of God that 
that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Listen, watch this. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Watch. So God's grace gives you victory over sin. How do you know you're truly walking by grace? You're seeing victory in your life. What? You're seeing growth in your life, right? And you have this ingredient. You have the ingredient that you need to break every single barrier. Listen to what Romans six fourteen says. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. A person who is walking under the grace of God. Guess what happens? Addictions are broken in Jesus' name. When you're walking under the grace of God, right, things begin to break open for your life. I want to walk in the grace of God. Romans chapter, James chapter 4 verse 8, purify your hearts. Then he says this, you double-minded, James says. Double-minded means, listen to this, this is interesting. I desire to maintain a Christian profession or desire the presence of God, but love the ways of the world and prefer to live according to the views and the ethics of the world. Wow. James chapter 4, verse 9. Then he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What is he saying, that we shouldn't have joy? No, he says we shouldn't be laughing at sin because we understand what sin can do in our life. But we should get to the point, right, where we turn our back on sin. My church family, I want to tell you today, when God exalts you, you, sin will not overcome in your life. I'm telling you. The last three years of studying God's grace, I didn't study five ways to overcome my weakness. I studied God's God's grace. Guess what happened to my weaknesses? They began to fade away. Why? That's the power of God's grace. He says here, you need to quit laughing at sin. I want to tell you this. God hates sin. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say God hates people. He hates sin. And you and I are supposed to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And God loves people. He just hates the sin. Sin is like a cancer. Have you ever had a loved one diagnosed with cancer? Listen, the degree that you love the person is the degree that you hate the cancer. Why? Because you love the person. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. So you and I, can overcome and be forgiven of this cancer of sin. And I don't care what the enemy whispers in your ear today. Yeah, that's all good, but not in this area of your life. I just want you to know it is possible because who the sun sets free is free indeed in Jesus' name. But look at me. The Bible says a double-minded man will receive nothing from God. So you got to be all in. All in about his grace. Can I tell you what all in meant for me? It meant a posture like this. I need to humble myself, God, and I need your grace. And then I started lifting the areas that I was battling. You know, God, and I said it out loud. I need your grace in this area. And you know what? I'm free today from a lot of the stuff that I, in my own strength, could not break. But with God's grace and humility, Come on, God will lift you up. I said, God will lift you up. God will lift you up. And when God lifts you up, nobody can stop you. Hear me, when God lifts you up, nobody can stop you. If you believe that, give him a great round of applause. Would you do that? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.